You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning, Grace. You guys are ready to go. I love it. That's good. Um, for a chance to meet, uh, my name is Sean Rowley, and I'm one of the elders and one of the preachers here. And uh, like Jay said, I just want to welcome you here. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you are, are here today. We have been journeying through the book of Matthew, and we've seen Jesus uh, and the disciples doing all kinds of cool stuff. They're um, preaching uh, the word, they're healing, uh, they're doing miracles, they're doing ministry, all kinds of really cool stuff. But the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, they don't, they don't like it at all. And I think that's because they saw Jesus as a threat to their authority and to the status they had, but I also think it's because um, they don't like it because they really believe that they were, they were right. And uh, the thing I love about Jesus is he always seems to have an answer uh, whenever they confront him. Well, today uh, we're gonna be looking at a story um, where Jesus is down by the lake. We'll see that in a minute. Um, But he gets into a boat, puts off a little from shore, and then he just begins to to teach the crowd that's there. So that's kind of the scene. Uh, If you have a Bible, open it up. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 13, uh, starting in verse one. Uh, Or you can turn on your Bible. We'll also put the words on the screen here. But uh, with that said, let's pray, and then we'll get to work in the word. Bow your heads with me. Dad, thank you for this morning. And uh, God, it's a beautiful day, uh, which any, any sunny day in Oregon is a beautiful day to me, so thank you for that. God, thank you for the opportunity to be together as church family, and thank you for the opportunity to now um, dig into your word together. So I pray, Father, that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would fill this place with your spirit, that you would uh, prepare our hearts to hear what you want to say to us this morning. And Father, we pray mostly that you would be glorified and the church would be built up. Uh, because of our time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in Matthew 13, uh, starting in verse one. It says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him uh, that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore and then he told them many things in parables. This is a huge crowd. It's pre-COVID day so they can meet in big groups um, back then. And it's a big crowd of of really diverse people. There's wealthy people, there's poor people, there's super educated people, people that aren't educated at all. Um, There's there's saints and sinners, there's everybody in between. And and I like that because it was a crowd probably like we have right here. Uh, Not only the people that are here in this room, but, but also those of you who are joining us online. There's a big crowd of people here as well. And Jesus has some things that he wants to say to us and he's going to say them in parables. Now, last week, Gary uh, taught on uh, parables. He preached a great sermon. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and and listen to that sermon because it sets up here the next several uh, weeks that are coming up because Jesus is going to begin to teach a series of parables here. We're just gonna look at one this morning. But last week, Gary said that that parables are simply an earthly story uh, with a heavenly meaning. Put it another way, um, it's, it's it's a simple story that carries God's truth. So that's what a parable is. So let's, let's take a look at this parable here. Um, it says he told him many things in parables. Said, he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I want to start with this verse in verse 9. It says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And what I think Jesus is doing with that statement is he's saying, pay attention. Clint, pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. And he says that because what he's about to say is super Super important. And so that's my word for us this morning. Pay attention. About uh, a little more than a year ago, uh, one day I was at my house and uh, I started to feel some like pains in my, my chest. And uh, my daughter's like laughing at me. So I'm feeling these pains in my chest and I'm like, what's going on with my body? And it's kind of a warm pain, but not like a good warm, but a bad warm. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. And so I hadn't told my family about it, but I'm, I'm, for those of you that don't know, I'm a registered nurse. Um, I work in one of the neonatal ICUs in town. Um, so I don't know that much about like adult heart problems because babies don't have the same kind of adult heart problems. So I know maybe a little more than the average person, but not much. So I'm, I'd, I'd sneak up to my room because I didn't want my family to know what was going on. And I've got a blood pressure cuff. I'm checking my vitals and I'm, I'm trying to do a thorough assessment on myself. I'm paying attention to my breathing. All the while I'm Googling things like a pulmonary embolism versus myocardial infarction. Am, am I about to die, <laughs> right? So finally, I talked to my family about it. Long story short, um, it, there was a lot of things that happened that evening, but I, I didn't go to the hospital or, or do anything about it that night. Now, don't hear that as uh, medical advice from a medical professional. If you're worried about your health, public service announcement, call 911 or go to the emergency room if you're worried about it immediately, or call your doctor. Okay, we got that legal part out of the way. So don't do what I did, though, all right? Um, but the next morning, I, I did call the clinic, and I went into the clinic, and I get in, I tell them the story. Uh, they do an EKG on me and some blood work, and they do an examination, and the doctor, he, he, he looks at me, and he says, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And I'm like are you sure? Like, do you know? And he says, yeah, you're, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And I said, okay, well, I really was experiencing like real pain in my chest. And he says, yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure that you were, but it, it's not because something's wrong with your heart. Your heart's fine. And I said, well, what is it then? And he said, well, honestly, I think you're probably having an anxiety attack. And I was like, anxiety attack? I was like, I didn't even feel anxious except about dying. I mean, I, I wasn't anxious at all. <laughs> all right. But I, I was relieved um, because I knew that my heart was, was okay. I had some other things to work on, but my heart was okay, and I knew that. And that was, that was a relief to me. Uh, this morning, we all need to take an honest look at our heart. That's what these soils represent, is different kinds of, of hearts. And so maybe, like me, there's some symptoms in your life. Maybe there's patterns of sin, or, or distance from the Lord, or a lack of trust, or maybe you're just indifferent toward the church. Maybe, and, and this might be even more scary, maybe there's no symptoms at all in your life. You think everything's fine, and you don't think there's really any reason to look at your heart or your life. Jesus tells us, if you can hear this, then pay attention. My prayer is that you would hear directly from God this morning, and so I don't want our apathy or anything to get in the way, because what we're doing this morning is we are sowing and we are re-sowing seeds of the gospel, and I don't care, friends, if you have walked with God for decades and decades and decades, or if you don't know him at all, maybe you're just checking things out. Maybe this is one of your first times in church and you're like, I don't really know what's going on. Listen, the gospel is what's going on. The gospel is everything. We're all about that here at Grace. 
And what the gospel simply is is this. It's that God, he made humans to live on the earth. And when he put them in the Garden of Eden, this place that he made for them, it was perfect. It was beautiful. It was amazing. There was perfect relationship with God, um, within themselves, with other people, and with creation. Perfect, perfect relationships. It was amazing. And then God told Adam and Eve what they could do and what they couldn't do. And Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and to do things their own way. And so they invited sin into the world. They sinned themselves. And they invited evil and wickedness into the world. And it broke creation. It marred creation. It stained creation. And it affected everything. It's why we have um, disease and natural disasters and all kinds of awful things that happen, but it's also why we have broken relationships and hurt feelings and wars and all of the other things that come into our world that aren't good. It's because of sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin and because of our own sin as well. And yet God, because he loved humanity so, so much, he loved his creation so much, and because he was all-knowing and knew what humans would do, he sent a rescue mission he had planned um, even before he had laid the foundations of the world. That's what the word tells us. And so what he did was send his son, Jesus, into the world to pay a penalty that had to be paid because he's a God of justice. He demands justice. And so what he did was he said, it's either their lives or it's somebody else's. And so he sent somebody else to pay the penalty on our behalf. That's what Jesus did. He lived a perfect life. He was killed in a horrific way. He was put in the ground but he didn't stay dead, and three days later he rose. That's what we celebrate at Easter time. And then by the power of his spirit, he sent his spirit into the world now where he is ruling and reigning and loving and redeeming and bringing creation back the way it was always meant to be. It makes me emotional because I love the gospel. The gospel is the most beautiful thing we have. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. Pay attention because we are sowing and we are re-sowing seeds of the gospel in our lives this morning. I love it when scripture explains itself. And Jesus does just that here. We've got to drop down to verse 18 to see what the explanation is. But look what he says. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the, the uh, path, right? So these are people, they hear the word, but it, it, it doesn't make any sense to them, and so they just, they just reject it. Um, and, and the seed, if you imagine a, a farmer, and he's sowing seeds, he's casting these seeds out, and he's doing it um, on all kinds of paths, and sometimes it falls on a hard path, that's, that's, uh, or all kinds of dirt, and it falls sometimes on a hard path that's well-worn. Uh, our community garden is getting ready to start up, as Jay mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, wouldn't it be crazy, first of all, if they put me in charge of the community garden? <laughs> you can laugh. I, I'm terrible at taking care of plants. Um, I said in my sermon preview video that I like to take care of grass, and I do, but I'm not good at taking care of plants. Um, but what if at our kickoff event, um, people came and I was in charge, and instead of going out to our field where the, the ground is tilled and soft and ready and we have greenhouses and everything ready to go, I said, you know what, we're going to plant a different garden this year. Come with me out into the parking lot, and we're going to scatter some seeds around in the parking lot. Nothing would grow, would it? That's, that's the same idea here. Um, hearts um, like this kind of soil are not prepared to receive the gospel, and so they're hard. Gary said last week, he said, the more a heart is habituated toward hardness, it only gets harder and harder and harder. You see, the more that you reject the word of God and his gospel, the harder your heart gets. 
But it's not just about us and, and what we're doing as far as rejecting because um, it's also about, about Satan. Because it says in this text that there are um, seeds on the ground and Satan is like birds who come and snatch up those seeds and, and take them away. First uh, Peter 5.8 says that the devil, our enemy Satan, is prowling around like a lion and it says that he's looking for someone to devour. And I think what he's looking to devour is people's faith because the last thing that Satan wants is for the seeds of the gospel to take root and to grow in your life and mine. Does that describe you this morning? Are you somebody who has heard about God and what he's done for you and it doesn't seem to make sense so you just, you just outright reject him? I have been praying for you specifically all week long. I have been praying that, that God by his spirit would make um, the things that we're talking about this morning make sense to you and that he would protect you from Satan who would love to steal the seeds of faith away from you. Because the truth is we have a God who can and does change hearts. He changes the soil of our hearts to be ready to receive the, the word, to receive the seed. And so I've been praying those things for you um, this week. We have another kind of ground though. Um, verse 20, the seed uh, falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly um, fall away. These are the kind of folks that they hear the word, they get excited about it, they receive it really quickly, but they don't have any root and so they quickly fall away. And it says that they fall away because of the word. I don't know if it, it, what it looks like in different people's lives, perhaps that the people around them begin to notice a change in their life. And they, they, they notice that they're going to church or they're, they're behaving differently or they're reading their Bible or they're doing different things and maybe they ridicule them for it, maybe they persecute them for it. Maybe it's people inside of their same home. Maybe some of you have been persecutors at times of those around you who are seeking the Lord. We have a culture today that is increasingly hostile to God and his ways and the church. And Gary said last week, and this is my own paraphrase, but he basically said that the world seems to think that the church is full of bigoted idiots who are all about hating and condemning the world. Gary rightly said that this is a lie. This is not true. And it makes me furious that this is the perception that the church has because we live in a world that's, that loves to cancel people, right? That's kind of a thing right now, cancel culture. And I hate cancel culture. I could rail up here for like three hours about how much I hate cancel culture. The reason why I hate it is because it leaves no room for grace, no room for redemption, no room for any other kind of life to be rebuilt, for people to come back from dumb things that they did. And joining the church and following God is not a dumb thing to do. It's the best thing you could ever do. And so the seed... Sometimes it starts to grow up, but, but the sun comes out, they have no roots, and so they just scorch and they die, and this faith, it just goes away. So how do you combat this? What, what can we do about it? And the, the main thing I think we can do about this is to put down roots. Friends, you need to be in the Word of God regularly. Now, I'm not saying everybody here needs to be waking up at 4 a.m. to spend three hours in the Bible before they go to work. If you can do that, awesome. God bless you. That doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for my schedule. But at some point, there needs to be some consistency and regularity about being in the Word of God. You need to be in church regularly. 
By God's grace, you're here now. Praise the Lord for that. You need to be here regularly, worshiping, um, learning, and serving with the community of God. You also need to be in smaller community, like a small group. If you're not in one, get into one. We all need people around us, close to us, to help us to love and serve and follow our king better, to help us understand the word. And, And guess what? Also, the people in those groups, they need to learn from you as well. You have something to offer. We need each other to help cultivate the soil of our hearts. In 1 Peter uh, 1.3, it talks about that when we enter God's family and we enter the kingdom of God, that we get an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. It's an incredible promise. And to get that, to have that, we need to have deep, deep roots in the kingdom of God. And so be about uh, developing those. Be about developing those. The next kind of soil, verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This seed falls on soil where it actually starts growing, right? There's some dirt there for it to grow in. And it might even sprout up and begin to look pretty good, but there's all these thorns, all these weeds, all these things around it that are wanting to choke out the faith, He mentions a couple specifically. The first one is the worries of life. I think the worries of life are things that everybody experiences on some level at different times of our lives. These are things like illness, injury, job loss, relational difficulties, stressors. I think these things often can be, though not always, often are through no fault of our own. They're just things that happen to people. They're just things that happen in life. And they can become so overwhelming that you begin to focus all of your attention on the difficulties and the things that are going on in your life that your faith has no room to grow and so it gets choked out. Sometimes it's about sin. Sometimes it's about the things that we continue to perpetuate in our lives that that pull us away from the kingdom of God. They don't bring um, good things for our lives. They, They bring terrible things and they choke out our faith. But it's not just negative experiences either because here Jesus says the deceitfulness of wealth can also choke out our faith like thorns in a garden. These are good things. You know, we generally live in a wealthy nation, generally speaking. Um, It is a blessing to to live here in this part of the world, other parts of the world as well. But we have a a generally wealthy nation. And those who are impoverished in our country, um, they struggle. It's terrible, and I'm not saying it's not. But oftentimes, I at least as far as I understand, the poverty that some people experience around the world is way worse than the poverty we have here in the United States, though that's not always true. We are generally a wealthy nation, and I think this can be an inhibitor to our faith because if if you're wealthy and things are going along fine, you don't really have a need for God, and you think, I don't really need to be safe from anything. Life's fine. I've got enough money to eat. I got a roof over my head. Maybe I got some money for a vacation. Whatever. I I don't need a God. And so what was a blessing, that is wealth, it becomes a hindrance to your faith, and the result is the same. It's an unfruitful life. Does this describe you this morning? Do you feel that with the weight of troubles and difficulties in your life that your faith is struggling today? Or, or maybe because of the blessings that you've experienced and the wealth that you have, your faith is distracted and weak and unfruitful. Either case is dangerous because either case can be like Roundup in a garden. It can either significantly weaken your faith or it can kill it altogether. 
So we need to be careful about that. But what can we do if that's the soil of our heart? Well, I think in both cases, the answer is the same. We take it to the Lord. We cry out to him in our struggles, in our difficulties. We take our worries to him. We say, God, I need help with this. God, I need provision. I lost my job. God, I need healing from you. God, this relationship is struggling and I need you to intervene. I need you to help, help my heart, help their heart, help us work toward reconciliation. You cry out to God because God is the giver of all things, including himself. And he loves you and he cares deeply about what's happening to you. And even if he doesn't come in and fix whatever's going on, sometimes he says, no, I'm not going to heal you right now. But he does love you and he will walk with you and he will carry you through those challenges and those times in life. And if if you're one of the people that are experiencing blessing of wealth, I think you also take that to the Lord and you thank him for it. You say, God, thank you that I have this. Thank you that, that you've blessed me with this and you live your life blessed to be a blessing. And so you give generously and you serve with your time and your resources and you thank God for the vacations and the amazing meals that you get to take and you celebrate those good things because they're not bad things in and of themselves. They only become a distraction if, if we let them and if we focus so much on those things that we neglect our faith. Three soils that aren't good. We have a hard, pavement-like soil. We have rocky soil And we have a soil with many, many thorns. But the last soil, this is the good soil. Take a look at what it says, verse 23. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It is an amazing and a beautiful thing to watch the gospel fall on good soil and watch someone's life begin to thrive as they begin to trust and follow the Lord. Somebody's looking for somebody. Um, This is an amazing thing. And this is what I see in the soil of so many of your hearts here. You are faithful. You are mature. You are um, good followers of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, keep going. Maybe like me, you've learned through life and through trial and through circumstance that, that even though trials may still come, a life with Jesus is always better. A life with Jesus is always better. And so keep going, keep working. But there's also a little bit of a warning here as well. Because even in the good soil, a heart that is soft to the Lord and his word, there are varying degrees of production, right? We see this. There's some 100, some 60, some 30 times. And a couple of words about this. Number one, be patient with those around you who look like they're producing less than you are. Everybody has a different capacity, Everybody has different giftings. Everybody has a different um, abilities. Um, also, I think we need to be patient with ourselves as well because sometimes we're in a season where, where we need some time to heal and we're not producing much of anything. Sometimes we're in a season of, of difficulty and, and struggle and things are overwhelming right now and what you really need is some time to, to, to just heal. I've been in seasons like that. I've shared some of those things with you. And you guys know if you've walked for any length of time, you either have been, are right now, or you will be in a season like that. So be patient with other people and be patient with yourselves. Pray for those around you. Look for places to encourage them and to pray for them and to support them. But we also have things that hold us back, both good things and bad things. The author of Hebrews, he talks about this. 
In verse 11, or excuse me, in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, um, the author goes through this, basically it's like the hall of fame of those of faith in the Bible. And he, he, he goes on talking about how these, um, these people did all of these amazing things. And then in uh, chapter 12, he starts with this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all of the hall of famers that we just talked about, he's saying. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's talking about here throwing off these hindrances. It's like the thorns we talked about. It's getting rid of those things that are a distraction to uh, your faith. It's getting rid of things, not only um, just distractions like maybe wealth or, or troubles, but it's also about getting rid of sin. So let's be about confessing sin. Let's be about dealing with what it is that's going on in our lives, anything that's distracting us from our faith. We need to look for those patterns in our lives that are holding us back or getting in the way. Is this part of being a part of the community of God? So what does all of this mean for us? Last week, Gary said that parables force us to make a decision. They demand a response. So, what is our response? The first one is to evaluate um, the condition of your heart. Is your heart hard, like pavement? Is it rocky? Is it filled with thorns? Or is it soft and ready to receive the Word of God into your life? I'm sure there's some either here in the room or who are online listening that they've never done that before. They've never accepted, they've never received the gospel that we talked about early in the service. They've never chosen to bring that into their life and to make it their own. My question is, what are you waiting for? Why wait? We have a God who loves you, he knows you, he wants to get to know you even better and wants you to know him. And he wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring you blessing and bring you into his family and give you an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. So what are you waiting for? Basically, all it takes is for you to say, God, I need you. God, I recognize that I've, I've done things that separate me from you. And God, I, I accept the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross on my behalf. And God, I'm all in. Whatever that looks like, I'm all in, God. I want to serve you. I want to love you, so teach me. That's all it takes. And then you join the church, and the church helps you as well, and we walk together as family. As family. I think sometimes the tendency for those of us inside the church is to assume that because we're Jesus followers already, that we have a soft heart. And that is the next response, is we need to be honest about the condition of every area of our heart. I think most of us have a room in our house that's kind of like the junk drawer, but it's a whole room. Um, some of, do you guys have those in your house? You must. If you don't, I want to come live with you. Um, ours is, is the garage, um, and so like there's all this stuff in the garage, and you can get a car in there, but but it's hard to walk around anywhere else in there because it's, it's so full, right? And so um, most of us are like this. It's like you clean the house, you've got somebody coming over for dinner, the house looks nice, everything's ready. There's a couple other things that are just haven't got picked up before people show up, so you just open the door and chuck stuff out there and slam the door. This is the room that nobody really wants the guests to see because it's dirty and messy and, and gross. 
And I think sometimes for us as followers of Jesus, we can have parts of our heart that are just like that room. You know, lots of our heart is soft. Lots of our heart is open to the gospel. Lots of our heart is open to whatever God wants. But for some of us, there are rooms like that inside of our heart that we don't want to talk about with other people. We certainly don't want to talk about with God. And we tell him, please stay out of that part of my life because it's too painful or it's too difficult to deal with. Maybe for you it is significant sin issues. Maybe you're prone to gossiping and God's confronted you on this and you just say, yeah, it's just the way I am. Maybe others of you are, are struggling with lust and pornography and it's such a horribly captivating thing and it's such a struggle for so many people, um, mostly men, but women struggle with this as well. Are you shutting God out of your heart and saying, God, I don't want to talk about that. I know this doesn't please you. Maybe for others, it's a prideful heart or a combative spirit. And maybe you're just hard-hearted toward God and consequently, you're also hard-hearted toward the relationships around you. Maybe you've grown over time because of circumstance or whatever, significantly hard-hearted toward your husband or your wife or a close friend? Are you willing this morning to be honest about that, about every area of your heart and inviting the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to come in and help clean up that room too, to help you love and serve better, to help you, you know, glorify him with, with your life? Because he wants all of us and he wants all of us so that we can be fruitful for the kingdom and experience real life because that's where real life is found. The last thing is this, and I'll invite the worship team to come now. It's that we need to be about planting and watering um, the seeds of faith everywhere we go. Um, God's garden, the kingdom of God's garden, it extends everywhere we are. And so look for opportunities uh, to serve and to plant these seeds of the gospel in whatever kind of soil you're around, okay? So if you are at the grocery store or on an airplane or in your home or at school or at work or, or wherever you're at, look for opportunities. Ask God, God, please give me opportunities. I wanna share more about you. I wanna love people better. I wanna serve you, so help me see these opportunities and, and, and then speak about them, talk about them. We need to also do so um, without discouragement, Paul in 1 Corinthians is telling the, the Corinthian church, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God makes things grow, okay? So we need to be careful that we're doing our part, but we're allowing the Spirit of God to work and do what it is he does as well. And we need to do it without discouragement. Last week, Gary talked about the prophet Isaiah, and he asked God, he said, how long am I supposed to love? How long am I supposed to preach? How long am I supposed to do these things? Again, knowing all the time that his word and his message was gonna be rejected again and again and again. And God said, keep preaching. Why? Because there was hope of a remnant that God was going to save. And so we need to keep preaching even when it doesn't look like the results are happening the way we wanted them to happen. Keep preaching the word. Pre keep preaching the gospel to ourselves and to everyone you can meet. Scatter those seeds everywhere you go. Let's worship God. Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist is writing about, basically about how well God knows him. He talks all about how God made him, how he put him together, how he carefully crafted this, this human 
And then toward the end of the chapter, he, he begins to turn his attention a little bit away from that, and he, he begins to think about the enemies of God and how wicked they are and how, how awful that is. But then right here at the end, he, he brings a focus back to, to himself, and he asks God um, a very courageous question. And this is the question that we all should be asking God this morning. He says this in verse 23. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then he says, see if there is any offensive way in me. He really wants to know, and we should too. That should be a cry of all of our hearts. God, test me, know me. See if there's anything in me about my life, whether I'm aware of it or not, that is offensive to you. And then he says this, and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's our call. That's our hope. That's who we are as the kingdom of God. And that's my encouragement to you today. Ask God, God, what does the soil of my heart look like? And whatever he tells you, ask him to help you deal with that. And then go live for him. And as my big brother Gary always says, to go change the world. I love you, Grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.